Welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Rhonda Earl. I am a retired second grade teacher. I'm an executive board member of Whole Brain Teaching. I assist with um, the certification. I'm here with my best friend, Laura Forehand. Laura, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you, Rhonda. Um, I'm excited to be here as well. We have another great podcast on tap. Um, I teach second grade in Northwest Missouri. I'm also an executive board member with Whole Brain Teaching. And let's see, I also help out with certification. And I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to be inside on this hot, humid day here in Missouri. <laughs> so glad everybody could make it. It's hot here too. In Canada. Yeah. Here we are recording the very first episode of our year three, hard to believe. Mm-hmm. And we could not be more thrilled to have the founder of Whole Brain Teaching, Coach Chris Biffle, with us. What a great way to start our year three. Welcome, Coach. We are so grateful you are the first voice listeners here as we start our third year of the podcast. Well, that's fantastic. I'm just going to talk for about a year straight and... Um... We'll have a 365-day podcast, and maybe I'll be a little shorter today, but it's going to be fun. Awesome. Coach, um, on our last episode, you spoke to us about starting Whole Brain Teaching on day one, and you talked to us about lessons one through five. And today, I know the plan is to talk about lessons six through 10, but before we do, can, can you just kind of review or tap into lessons one through five? Um, briefly before you start with six through 10? Sure. Um, I want everybody to go to wholebrainteaching.com. Our associate director, Sarah Metter, has reorganized the website a bit. And the first menu is day one. So what I'm saying today, it has the first five lessons on day one. Very clear, very simple. The first five lessons are part of what we call the magic circle. Step one is you give a greeting. Uh, Hello, my dear friends. Welcome to third grade. My name is Mr. Biffle. Please say, hello, Mr. Biffle. So we teach kids how to greet us. And that's crucial. What we're doing in everything all year is just can be summed up in two words, only connect. We are connecting with kids in multiple ways. And the first way we connect is to establish what our relationship is. You talk to adults in a different way than you talk to your friends. And you talk to the teacher in a different way 
than you talk perhaps to other adults. So we're doing that very complicated word, socializing. We're teaching them the patterns of getting along in society and specifically in school. Laura, explain how delighted you're gonna be this school year to have kids respond when you say, good morning, class. I actually really- say, Go okay. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I really love um, this idea because, you know, I'm, I typically stand at my door and I say, good morning. And sometimes you get a response and sometimes you don't. And um, so I really love actually explicitly directly teaching your kids how we're going to greet each other in the morning. And yeah, I love that. I think that's a great way to start your day. Um, I'm visualizing this as you standing in front of the class, you've got them into the room, you do a formal greeting as they come in the door, you'll doing informal greetings. But that's the first step in the magic circle is connecting with kids and establishing, creating the teacher student relationship. The next thing you do is you say, thank you class. And they say, you're welcome, Mr. Biffle. And you have a gesture for each of those. For the greeting, you hold your both hands out in a wide gesture, and they mirror that. Some of them will. They'll pick it up. For thank you, you're welcome, you put your hand on your heart, and they put their hands on their heart. This is a different kind of connection. The first is a social connection. This is a mannerly connection, and it is manners that sweeten social relations. Mm. It shows respect, it shows kindness, it acknowledges the other person. Instead of just plowing into your lesson, you acknowledge that they've done something nice for you. It just greeted you. Mm -hmm. Rhonda, explain how important it is for kids to learn, thank you, you're welcome. They may not know that connective phrase. Go Rhonda. The way that I, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that we are doing this, thank you, you're welcome, is to make that mannerly connection. And this will allow them to see how to respond to an adult and even get the, give them acknowledgement for their kindness that they are showing the teacher. We know from research that acts of kindness, whether you perform them or witness them, release jolts of dopamine. And if you say in a nice way, thank you, class, and they say back to you, and they will mirror your tone of voice, you're welcome, Mr. Biffle. There is a little electric neurological dopamine jolt there that our kids need and that we need. And it begins to establish what is unique about school, which is in school, we follow patterns. Outside school, we don't follow patterns. And those are separate worlds. Mm -hmm. Outside of school is structured. Inside of school is highly structured. Separate worlds. And if you bring outside of school habits inside of school, we're not going to do well. So this is a mannerly connection. Laura, explain the same, the second connection go 
Okay. So making that mannerly connection. So after we've greeted our class in front of the class, we are going to begin using our manners for the day. So um, the thank you, you know, welcome class. And then thank you class. You're welcome, Mr. Biffle. Um, it just, it, like Rhonda said, it makes that connection um, from the get-go. It, it lets students realize that this is a very structured place where we're going to do lots of um, learning and we're going to do it in a way that is respectful and kind to each other. Yes. Now, the third step in the magic circles where you say mirror words, they say mirror words. And this is an incredibly powerful connection because in this connection, you're linking your brain to their brain. You speak, they hear. You move, they move. You're both seeing, hearing, speaking, feeling, moving. Brains in coordination. A neurological dance. And by connecting your brain to their brain, you're going to transfer information in a multisensory way and have some fun. It's as fun as follow the leader. So that's our next kind of connection, which is mirror words. Explain how that feels in class, Rhonda. You've done it a thousand times. Mirror words, go. And I think it's one of my favorite parts of whole brain teaching is that mirror words. So with mirror words, you're linking our brain to their brain. And we're getting this neurological dance going on where we're um, getting all sorts of movement, um, chunks of information, and even feelings involved during that lesson time. So that's a way to make a connection. Yes. Uh, the next kind of connection is when we, this is number four, we repeat the lesson twice. At this point, when you repeat the lesson twice, you're beginning to embed the lesson in the kid's brain. You're making this internal connection, creating new neurological patterns. And we repeat the lesson twice and we try to say it the second time different than the first because variety is engaging. Mm -hmm. We know variety is engaging because we don't play tic-tac-toe very long with two-year-olds because it's the same game over and over again. Um, so this is a vital internal connection between the external world and the internal world. I'm transferring information to memory. Explain this next connection. Connect, 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 connect. Go, Laura. I love all the connections that you're making here. So for step four, that's going to be where we are going to repeat the lesson two times. And in this way, we begin to embed that lesson into our students' brains or making we may start making an internal connection with them. And when we do say that um, chunk of our lesson a second time, you know, add that funtricity and that variety, um, that's going to help embed it, I think, even more. Absolutely. So here's the fifth lesson in the magic circle. And that is you clap twice and say teach, they clap twice and say, okay. Now you are creating what might be the golden connection, kid to kid. You are turning passive students into active teachers. They're taking turns teaching each other, whatever you taught them. 
And then you walk around the room and you do a comprehension check. So the, this magic circle creates multiple kinds of connections inside and outside, person to person, teacher to kid. And this pattern bonding is what's central to whole brain teaching classrooms, especially when you add the funtricity element of making gestures and changing your tone of voice and moving around and not having to sit still. Rhonda, the fourth connection, which is repeating the lesson twice, that is a technical name of direct instruction. And the fifth connection, when kids are teaching each other, has a technical name of collaborative learning. We're combining direct instruction and collaborative learning. Holy mackerel. Talk about it, Laura. Yeah, we're going to make that, that connection where we not only repeat the lesson two times, but then we have our kids turn and teach each other. So we're starting to make that connection between student and student. So, so powerful. All right, here we go. Lesson six. Now, ladies, I want you to visualize the new model, the new world whole brain teaching classroom. And all of our posters, and there's a ton, rule posters, virtue posters, brainy posters, are covered with paper with locks on them. The super improver scale has locks on it. And it's a mysterious, almost cave-like place, which is a good way to start a video game. So you're going to stand in front of the covered rule one poster. And you're going to say this. You're going to say, my friends, raise your hand if you like to play video games. Oh, those hands are going to go up. My friends, raise both hands and waggle them if you love to play video games. Oh, 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 yeah, we're getting waggling. And we got everybody's attention. You then say, the bad news is we're not going to play video games. Give me an, oh, no. Tell them what you want them to say. You tell them how to respond to you. Thank you, Mr. Biffle, mirror words. Tell them what you want them to say until they get the pattern. So you say, give me an, oh no, Mr. Biffle. Get your name in there. Oh no, Mr. Biffle. And then you say, the good news is that we're inside a video game. Give me an, oh yeah, Mr. Biffle. And you begin to talk about the difference between playing a video game at arm's distance on this little bitty tablet and being inside a three-dimensional classroom, enormously larger than any video game, and not looking in from the inside, you're inside, you're a character in your own game. Rhonda, explain lesson six, which is announcing the theme of the year. We're not playing a video game at arm's distance. We're inside the video game. <laughs> Go ahead. 
All right. Well, we're standing up in front of our locked up rules and we try to get them engaged by asking them if they like video games by waggling their fingers. And then maybe even go into the next point, how many really like to play video yeah. games? And then we're expressing to them, uh, but we're not going to be playing in a, uh, playing a video <laughs> game today. And the important thing that you mentioned is to tell them how to respond. Yes. And I, th I think that's a key point too. And then dive right in by telling them we're going to be inside this video game. And again, have them reply back to, or tell them how you want them to reply back to you with that. So with some fanfare, Laura, you say, listen, you all know there are rules in basketball and there are rules in soccer and there are rules in video games. So the first thing we're going to do in our video game and the name of the game is Alpha Hawk. Everybody give me an, oh, yeah. And you show them how to flap their arms whenever you say Alpha Hawk. So here's rule one in Alpha Hawk, and you show them the rule one poster, dramatically taking it off. And then you do a lap around the magic circle, a couple of laps if you need to, to teach rule one with the gestures, connect, 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 connect. This is really their first piece of Alpha Hawk information. Inside this video game, we got to follow directions quickly, dude. Rhonda, explain the next lap around the magic circle is to teach you something about rule one. Go. All right. Well, I want to reiterate that this game is called Alpha Hawk, and to be sure to show them that gesture of flapping their wings. But... We're going to incorporate that magic circle to teach that rule one. Very good. Now, Laura, mm -hmm. I know that you are just always saying, coach, what's new, what's new, what's new. And you just keep sending me emails. Okay, Laura. And you say, you put it on Rhonda. You say, well, Rhonda told me to ask you what's new because she's very impatient. <laughs> All right, ladies, this is only 15 minutes old, but it is huge. It is the magic circle shortcut. Laura, give me an, oh. I can't wait to hear it, coach. I'm right. ready. So you have taken them a lap, that was lesson six, mm -hmm. uh, around, well, lesson six is you tell them they're in a video game. Lesson seven is you take them a lap around rule one. And then, You tell the class, well, you look around the classroom, you see all these locks. Every one of these locks is a rule or a secret power or an adventure. Tell your neighbor what I said. You clap twice and say, teach. So instead of starting at the top of the magic circle and going all the way around with a shortcut, you get instant collaborative learning and it'll take a while for them to learn. But when you go teach, they'll go, okay. And they'll try to figure out, which is what you want, what they're supposed to teach each other based upon what you just said. Shortcut. Laura, explain how thrilled you are by shortcuts. I really do like this shortcut because I can give my little chunk of information and then just clap my hands twice and say teach and students are engaged with each other. They're making that 
student to student connection that you were talking about earlier. So yeah, I think this is great. It's it's not having to totally go around that entire magic circle, but taking that one collaborative learning piece and 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 putting that out there for your students to start being engaged right away. Rhonda, here's another shortcut. I'm giving the two of you ladies and only your listeners permission. And when somebody says to you, where did you get permission to take that shortcut? You say, Coach B was in a good mood one day, and you know how <laughs> rare that is. Rhonda, I give you permission when you visit Laura's classroom at any point of the day to say, thank you, class, without having said class yes, or thank you, Jack, without having said class yes. And the class or Jack responds, you're welcome, Ms. Arlt. So take the bits of the magic circle, which are so powerful together, and use them. Oh, here's a good phrase. And use them as mini islands of connection. Give me an oh. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Explain that back to me. Yeah. My friends are hosts are busy writing this down. Let's see how Rhonda did. Rhonda, talk about these. The thank you, you're welcome that you can throw in any time for Pete's sakes. Well, we can throw this thank you, you're welcome anytime if I'm visiting Laura's class or anytime during your lesson. So you can do it to the whole class. You can do it individually. Make sure that they respond using your um, last name. And what I was so busy writing down was that these we're making these mini islands of connections by throwing these shortcuts in wherever we want to. The beautiful thing with this particular shortcut, Laura, is you make eye connection with Jack or Maria, and you quickly identify some positive behavior on their part. So instead of a generalized teacher class connection, now you're doing teacher student connection, mm -hmm. which is even more powerful. Right. Praise, praise, praise. Don't overpraise. Mm -hmm. Don't gushingly praise. Don't say that's fantastic, wonderful, incredible. You just say, thank you, Jack. Explain now the praise, thank you shortcut to individual kids, which you can be doing all day long. Connect, connect, connect. Go. Right. So at first we talked about making that connection with our entire class by saying, thank you, class. But now we can drill that down even more and make those individual connections with, with our students. So, and I'm throwing this in because Rhonda and I were kind of talking about this before we came on with you, coach, you know, even maybe that's my time to remember my ones and twos from my Fiverr check-in and, yeah. you know, making sure like, you know, thank you. Let's say Rhonda checked in at a, at a two, I could say, you know, thank you, you know, thank you, Rhonda for whatever, working so hard on your math this morning or yeah. All right. Let's that. go over the, let's go over these three lessons. Lesson six is you tell them they're inside a video game and you, remove the lock from rule one. Lesson seven, you teach rule one around the magic circle. Lesson eight, at any point during the day or right after that, you do a shortcut 
where you thank the whole class or you thank individual classes or you do it individual students or you do the teach okay and they immediately rehearse. I really think that a fundamental pattern, Laura, is magic circle, talk a little bit, teach okay shortcut, magic circle, talk a little bit, teach okay shortcut, throw in some praise. And that gets you to our goal. And you know, you know what the goal is, but Laura, would you, would you mind very much if I repeated what the goal was? I, I never remind, I never care that you repeat things, coach. It right. is good for me. <laughs> Here's the goal. Of course, the goal is to connect, but in what fashion? Mm. The goal is for you to talk 50% of the time and kids to talk 50% of the time. And in a traditional classroom, it's 90-10, maybe 85-15. Rhonda, I'm going to have a hard time teaching you how to play basketball if all I do is describe basketball and don't give you a chance to play the game. Mm. So when kids are talking, they're playing the game. They're playing the game of highly structured whole brain teaching and learning. Rhonda, talk to me about getting it to 50-50. Go. All right, so we want to get um, our classrooms 50-50, and that 50 is the teacher talking and the 50% the students talking. Your example was basketball. You can't um, teach a child or a kid how to play basketball if all you're doing is talking about it. You've got to get the kid involved in doing that. So a typical classroom is 90% teachers talking and 10% student talking. So we're trying to flip that back to 50-50, getting those kids involved. And I would say in a future podcast, we will describe how to get it to 90-10 in the right way. Mm -hmm. Kids doing 90% of the instruction, 90% of the talking. We call that the self-guiding class. That's coming up, new world, whole brain teaching. But let's go over the lessons and add the ninth one. So the sixth lesson is, we're in a video game, unlock rule one. The seventh lesson is go around the magic circle, teaching rule one. The eighth lesson is take a shortcut whenever you want with any parts of the magic circle. And the ninth lesson is let's don't hear about rule one, Laura. Let's practice following directions quickly. Mm-hmm. And so you say, all right. Before we can unlock the next lock, we got to get this rule down. Come on, people. Mm -hmm. Tell your neighbor, come on, dude. We're playing a game. So the ninth lesson is you tell everybody, all right, let's see how quickly you follow directions. Stand up. Sit down. A little bit slow. Stand up. Sit down. A little better. You don't say fantastic. Clap your hands. Clap your hands three times. Raise one hand. Raise both hands. Give them some directions and give them the feel for what it, for the tempo of your classroom. And the tempo of your classroom is periods of lightning fast direction alternating with periods of thoughtful reflection. Mm. So, Laura, explain 
the ninth lesson, which is rule one practice. I love doing this every year. We practice rule one after we introduce it. And um, yeah, so I love the idea though of telling them that before we can unlock any other rule, we've got to get this rule down. We've got to know what follow directions quickly looks like in our classroom. Um, And that helps you create the tempo in your classroom. Like you said, some things we need to do very quickly and then other things we want to make sure that we're having a reflective attitude about, which I love that idea, you know, because we do want our kids to reflect on things, whether it's a story they read, you know, a new concept they learned in math. So yeah, following directions quickly isn't always necessarily about being the fastest. It's about those reflective moments too. Wait a second, ladies. <laughs> I just got a new idea. Oh, no. I. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen to me. So what you're doing is you have rule one to the diamond rule taped on the wall. You don't just have them taped on the wall. You have them taped on four corners on the wall. So you, maybe rule one comes off pretty easy. Maybe it's just got a thumbtack in it. And then say, all right, now for us to unlock rule two, I mean, it's rule two. We really got to master rule one. So then, you, then you're going to start removing tape or pins or whatever for rule two. And that's going to be the motivation to continue forward. So explain back to me this idea of, mini locking <laughs> these rules with tape or stick pins so that it isn't just, oh, now here's rule two. Oh, now here's rule three. Because you know what you could do, Laura? I know you're going to do this. You could say, my friends, that was pretty good because you have four push pins up. Mm-hmm. But some of my friends are not playing this game very hard. And you stick a pin back. You know <laughs> Point out the kids, stick a bit back on the rule and you say, tell your neighbors, come on, dude, we got to unlock that next power. Call them secret powers. Laura, explain how cool it's going to be when you're playing. I think it's unlock these little bit by little bit. They'll be sitting on the edge of their seat. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. They're going to be like, if you walk over to that rule two, you know what's under there, but they don't. That's and right. you just, you pull out one push pin and yeah. they're going to get really, really, really excited. But I also <laughs> think it's, I also think if you have to put that push pin back in, oh, yes. Yes. then, you know, that hopefully, you know, you're molding your class to be a class of connection. So let's, let's talk to each other. How, you know, what, what can we do? You know, that there's where that reflective piece comes in. We had yeah. to put that push pin back in. Now, now what do we need to do as a class, as a team? to remove that and maybe another one. And, and Rhonda, you milk the video game metaphor. You say, look, you all have played video games. You know, they're not easy. You know, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Sometimes you go forward and sometimes you go backward. And that's what learning is about. Sometimes you move forward and sometimes you got to move backward. And that's how you explain the push pin routine. Go over that for us, Rhonda, because I'm almost to lesson 10. Go. Okay, so we're going to milk this um, metaphor of this video game by 
saying that, you know, sometimes you can beat that level, but sometimes it takes a lot of practice to get that level to level up. And I was even thinking mine were on a whiteboard and I had magnets, so I could see easily oh, taking yeah. off those corner magnets and it's sliding yeah. down a little bit. Oh so yeah. Really trying to incorporate that mentality of that video game that you can't always win right away. It takes practice before you level up or uh, in this case, unlock. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is what we get in video games, as we know, is streams of uncertain reward. What makes a good story? Suspense. What makes a good movie? You don't know what's going to happen next. What makes a good classroom? Suspense. You don't know what's going to happen next. Uncertain reward. Mm -hmm. The more predictable the environment, the less you have to pay attention to the environment. Boy, that's a good one. Laura, you said to me many times, Coach, give us stuff that we can tattoo, you know? (laughs) And so here's the next tattoo. The more predictable the environment, the less attention you have to play to the environment. That's why taking care of a baby is such a deal, because it's a pretty unpredictable environment. You don't know what that darling little child is going to do next. Explain the importance of creating an orderly but unpredictable video game-like environment, because video games are unpredictable but orderly. Go, Laura. Yeah. Well, Rhonda and I were just talking about what our next tattoo should be. So <laughs> <laughs> I know you are, Laura. Yes. Uh, no, yeah. I, I love that idea. Yeah. So the more predictable our environments are, you know, the I just think that the less um, fun it is really um, because the, it just becomes so routine and so basic. And I, I think if we can have this this orderly, uncertain aspect or atmosphere to our classrooms, it's just going to really heighten that student engagement. I mean, we've seen it. Rhonda and I have both seen that using whole brain teaching. So great. All right, here we are, ladies. Lesson 10. We are going to attempt the impossible. We're going to try to teach kids how to line up and take their seats. Okay. Because that is a lesson that some teachers, many, are still struggling with on the last day of the year. 180 days of trying to get kids to line up and come into the classroom in an orderly fashion. So here's what you're going to do. You give kids simple directions and how to follow directions quickly. And by quickly, you don't mean crazy rapidly. That's Goonie Bird. There's no Goonie Birds in our class. You're going to say, and you've been scanning your class to see who's returning eye contact, who's smiling, who's on board with you. And so then you're going to say, Jack, watch me. You get up out of a student desk. You walk to the back to the door and you fold your hands behind your back. And you say, Jack, that's how we line up. That's how we follow directions quickly. Notice I did not run. Running is Goonie Birds. Notice I didn't touch anybody or anything. That's Goonie Birds. That's wrong way turtle also. Jack, when I say lines, you say lines, 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 and go get in line. Jack, 
When I say seats, you say seats, 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 and go sit down. You teach one kid how to line up. Rhonda, then what you're going to do is you're going to teach Jack and another kid how to line up and sit down, following directions quickly. Then, mm -hmm. Laura, you're going to let Jack and the other kid alone, and you're going to teach another kid. You know, can you do what Jack did? Teach him little by little, kid by kid, how to line up by saying lines, 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 hands behind your back or wherever you want the hands, seats, 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 seats. They go to their seat and their hands are folded on the desk for sure. Few kids at a time. And Laura, the motivation is you're starting to unpin the next rule. Laura. Yes. Explain what a thrill it will be at the end of day one if you can accomplish even half of these lessons in an orderly fashion. Go. Yeah. Um, especially if you're gonna like start unpinning that next rule. Oh, I mean, yeah. I can I can just like I'm not even in my classroom and I can feel the energy of these, you know, second graders that are gonna be really excited about, you know, but keeping those expectations, you know, hi, um, what do you want to see in your classroom? Make sure you're modeling that. I love the idea of lesson 10 is teacher models it and you have a couple students show it and then you teach a couple other students. So you're kind of, you know, staggering that lesson. And I, I really like that idea. Okay. I have a question because Please. of my schedule what, what advice would you give a teacher that like I had specials first thing in the morning, the very first day of school where, you know, they had at nine o'clock, they had to go to music or PE. So it's okay to start that once we get back in the class, because you they're going to have to up. line up yeah. without us even yeah. having you a break it up however you want. But the more kids learn the pattern, the more efficient will be your use of time. And we say in kindergarten, the pace should be one rule per day. But we also think in third and fourth grade, you can teach all the rules mm -hmm. in the first hour or two. Okay. So as with reading or writing or math, you adjust the pace to the grade level and the time window. Uh, do not go in with an idea that you're going to get X accomplished in Y time. You always get about half or a third of X accomplished in Y time. Right. That's just the way it is to teach. Better to teach one thing three times than three, three, three things once. Laura, explain how that is going to be another tattoo for you. Go. <laughs> explain three things one time or one thing three times. That'll, that'll be quite the tattoo. But that yes. makes a lot of sense, though. It really does. Yeah. Uh, repetition is how the brain learns. Mm -hmm. All right, ladies, that was the 10 lessons. I'm going to go over them really quickly. Perfect. So the first five lessons are the magic circle, the greeting, thank you, and you're welcome, mirror words, a lesson repeated twice, and the teach okay. The sixth thing is the big announcement. We're inside a video game. And you have done so well. I shouldn't be doing this so quickly, but I'm going to unlock, remove the paper or the magnets. 
from rule one. That's the sixth lesson. The seventh lesson is to take a lap around the magic circle and a couple of laps if you need to, uh, to teach rule one. The eighth lesson is you can use Thank you, you're welcome, class yes, mirror words, teach okay, anytime and anywhere you want. That is the magic circle shortcut. Put it on your calendar, ladies and gentlemen, July 11th, 2022. We've only been doing versions of the magic circle for a quarter century before we decided, okay, we're gonna ease up a little bit. We're gonna allow shortcuts. Uh, and then, Lesson nine is rule one practice. You demonstrate, get kids to demonstrate, and we like kids to say lines, 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 and seats, seats, seats. In upper grades, we don't need them to say that, but we do want to demonstrate. And the motivation there is, is that as we see kids improving in rule one, then we might start to unpin, unlock, Maybe you've got rule two covered up with four pieces of paper. I don't know, however you want. And then the 10th lesson in whatever time frame you have is teach kids how to line up and sit down. And the 10th lesson, they're all huge lessons, but the 10th lesson is big. More about how we enter the classroom than how we leave the classroom. When kids come into the classroom in an orderly fashion, it gets it so much easier to get our lessons launched and indicate that out there it's chaotic, but in here it's as orderly as a drill team. And that's a beautiful thing. It's as orderly as an orchestra. All right, here's the problem, ladies. Laura asked me a good question. Rhonda asked me a good question. Sum it up and we're done. Laura, what's your good question? So the question that I was thinking of um, was one thing about our school that I'm grateful for is we use whole brain teaching rules, K through fifth grade. So let's say my kiddos are coming in next year and they know these rules. Would you suggest that I still go through these same like six through like still go through lesson six, lesson seven, lesson eight, nine, and 10 in the same fashion. I'm thinking like, yeah, what's wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. I would be happy to do that, but I'm just wondering what you think. All right. Um, I think on day one, day two, day three, we can't have too much structure. I really don't. I agree. My friends, nod your heads. If you remember these rules mm. and then Go ahead through them. You can pick up your pace if you see that they get it. But you're going to have some kids in class who don't know the rules, who weren't too good with the rules last year, sure. and who need to be part of the drill team. Mm -hmm. It's so much harder to be out of step when everyone else is in step. Yeah. When people are not in step, there's no one who's out of step. <laughs> That's another tattoo. Uh, great question. Okay. Well, Rhonda, give me a great question. Well, I think my question would be just kind of, if I was a teacher new to whole brain teaching and I was just getting used to the cycle, I might feel a little overwhelmed doing these shortcuts too soon. Yeah. Would it be okay to maybe do those shortcuts later on once I get better at the cycle myself? I would 
say that maybe the only thing on day one that you have unlocked, uncovered in the room is a big magic circle poster. It shows greeting. Class, yes, thank you, you're welcome. Big poster, not a little cheesy eight and a half by 11 poster. And you stand in front of that and you pretend as if the poster is guiding the class when in fact, the poster is guiding you. And if all you accomplish on day one is just to teach kids how to take a lap around the poster and the idea that we're in a video game and rule one, and you put the shortcuts in your back pocket. It makes no sense to do shortcuts, Rhonda, if you don't know the big journey. Mm. Once you get fluent in those parts, then you can use the parts, and you're right. Um, less often is less, but in this case, less is better. Okay. Thanks for, for that. Cause I, I mean, I know there's a lot of listeners out there that are just beginning their whole brain teaching journey and I want them to feel comfortable before they take that next step. Yes, indeed. Yep. Good question, Rhonda. Well, I think I've got, uh, about done all the damage I can here for the first uh, 10 lessons. Um, I'd like to come on again sometime. We'll, we'll chat about what might be useful next, but I'll tell you what. It would be very useful if you could talk to Doc, Andre Desitel, and see if you could get him to come on and talk about how to support kids who are in crisis. And you'll have kids who are in crisis uh, right away. Uh, and he is a genius at those methods. So that might be something that's coming up. Also, coming up, we want to talk about the 100% digital version of Alpha Hawk Island puts everything together and all you do is just show a Google slide and drink foamy lattes while your kids run the class. Lots of, uh, lots of amazing stuff. And I'd also point out to people, listen, if it's still summer when you're listening to this podcast, go to wholebrainteaching.com. There is training after training after training led by whole brain teaching geniuses, two of whom I'm talking to right now. Get the training for the teacher's favorite price, zero. My friends, we are not a nonprofit organization. We are a zero profit organization. And there's a big difference between the bottom line in those places, and it is our joy to be zero profit, and why, you might ask. The answer is this. The person who gave us this stuff didn't charge us a penny for it. And so we cannot charge other people. We, we pass, that's it. We pass the bargain on to our colleagues. That's right. Uh, and that's what I love so much. Yes. So coach, we are thankful that you could join us on this podcast today. And like coach mentioned, we are continuing these one hour summer virtual conferences through August. And we want our um, listeners to be encouraged to check out wholebringteaching.com. 
and sign up for those. Plus, Sarah is revamping the website so you can kind of go along with what Coach has talked about today with that day one activity. Um, also keep a close eye. Um, we've got our national conference coming up, our virtual three-day conference, July 25th, 26th, and 27th. And I think it's being posted, so check that out. Yeah, I think I saw a post on that today. So once again, thank you, Coach B, for joining us today um, with so much great information. It really does make me excited to um, get into my classroom and start this new school year. As always, we are very much looking forward to the next time we can chat. So anytime you want to come back on the podcast, you know you are absolutely more than welcome. We also want to thank all of our listeners. Thank you for liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast. Um, We are just so incredibly thankful for each and every one of you. So until next time, bye. bye.